Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I would like to, uh, for, for one more uh, Sunday, uh, to uh, continue our uh, series that we've been in, Legendary. And we took a break from it uh, last Sunday uh, because we actually had a visit uh, from the legendary Mike and Tammy uh, McGray, uh, who are making legendary choices and living uh, to fulfill the legendary call of God uh, on their lives. Uh, we've been looking at uh, the uh, legendary Apostle Paul um, because I believe uh, that uh, there is a legendary call of God on my life. I believe that there is a legendary call of God on your uh, life. Uh, for all of you who are watching, uh, I believe you are called of God uh, to live a legendary uh, life. Uh, for all who may uh, listen to this podcast, isn't that cool? People could later listen to this podcast. That's pretty neat, isn't it? Like after the rapture takes place, people could stumble upon the podcast and hear the gospel proclaimed. It's neat. Jesus paving the way for the gospel to even be proclaimed in the tribulation. Hallelujah. I try not to get sidetracked. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that you have a legendary call of God on your life. I believe that this is a timely and important, and I hope that the Lord would stir each and every one of us uh, to uh, say yes to the call of God uh, on our lives uh, and to, uh, and to uh, not only say yes, but to get in the game, <laughs> so to speak, and begin to do the things that God has for us and that God has, has called us uh, to do. Uh, as I said a little earlier, uh, I've been battling. I don't know if it's, I don't know, if, I'm not discouraged, uh, um, troubled, uh, bothered, uh, by uh, things that have taken place in this crazy year uh, and, and not necessarily bothered by the crazy things that take place in the world uh, because we know the world's crazy and so we should expect uh, craziness uh, from uh, the world. Uh, what, has, what has troubled me and, and bothered me uh, is I, I guess I underestimated uh, the amount of influence that the world has had uh, into uh, the church. Uh, and, and you know one of the things that we're seeing take place you know, because of this uh, COVID-19, which I have had quite enough of, uh, by the way, you know, we just stand against this in Jesus' name and all the fear and division that it creates, is that, is that Christians have have left the church, uh, those who were coming. Uh, you know, before COVID-19, I, I think like regular attendance was like 18%. Uh, 
Uh, and now I don't know what that is, but I know that I know that like Barner's statistics are saying that a third of those people have left and and are and are not coming back, and they're watching online. Uh, and then there's like a large group of people that have left and aren't even watching online. They've just completely Christians disconnected uh, from uh, the church. Uh, some good news I think is that is that the numbers were up uh, this year for Christians getting out and voting. Uh, some bad news is there uh, that that 80% of them voted for the the pro life, uh, pro God party, and 20% of them voted for the the pro abortion, anti God, anti word party. You figure out which which is which uh, in in there. Um, one of one of them uh, wants to keep in the pledge of the allegiance. One nation under God. Hallelujah. One of them wants to remove from the Pledge of Allegiance one nation under God. I do not understand this. Don't we want to be one nation under God? <laughs> All of this is, is troubling to me and uh, shows that, that the world has a powerful influence that is even influencing the church. One of the verses that I have, that I've thought of, um, that, that has stirred within me uh, is, uh, is Matthew fifteen fourteen, uh, when Jesus uh, talks about uh, the blind, uh, and he talks about the blind leading the blind, and when the blind lead the blind, that this is what happens, this is what uh, takes place. It says, uh, Leave them, uh, they are blind guides. Uh, if the blind lead the blind, both uh, will fall into a pit. Uh, so, so when the blind are leading uh, the blind, what takes place is that both of them end up in the trap. Both of them end up stumbling and falling. Uh, both of them end up uh, falling into the pit. And uh, you know, one of the things that, that we need to remember about the world uh, is, is that they are blind. That those who have not trusted in Christ, who have not run to Jesus, who have, who have not trusted Him, or, or, or who maybe just not trusted Him, or who have completely denied Him, you know, whatever the case may be, Scripture tells us that, that they are in darkness, that they are in, uh, that they are in lostness, if you will, that they are, that they are blind and lost and in darkness and, and the, the interesting thing is there is that they think that they're guides and that they are the blind leading the blind and that what ends up happening is that both of them fall in uh, to a pit. This is, this is why, um, you know, I had to, like people look at me strange, but one of the reasons why I said, you know what, if, if Hollywood's doing it, maybe you, maybe you should question it. You should question it, right? Because from what I see, I'm not saying there's not Christians in Hollywood, but for the most part, they're not. And they're, and they're influenced, they, they're not, and they're guides, they've, they've got influence. But, they're, but what are they? They're blind guides. And if the guide is blind, then we don't want to follow him. Jesus is just deep, isn't he? <laughs> He's just profound. <laughs> like if the, if the, think about this, right? If you're, going to go on a, if you're going to go on a journey, and you've not been there, and you want to hire a guide... And you go to the guide and he is just blind. What are you going to do? Not hire him. 
All right, I, you know, I'm not that great. I'm not that sharp. You know, maybe I'm sure you're awesome, but, but I think I'd rather have somebody who can see. They're, they're blind guides. They're, they're in darkness. This is not my opinion. 2 Corinthians 4 says that the God of this age has blinded the eyes of this world. They are in darkness and that it is only in Christ that we can see. That we have a light that our eyes are opened. Right, so it's, so it's, it, it's, really, it's really crazy uh, if you're blind to get someone blind to lead you around. Hey, hey, wait a minute, before I ask, if you're going to lead me around, are you blind? Yeah, I'm blind too. Okay, well, let's go. Following you wherever I go, right? That's crazy, isn't it? Crazy for the blind to lead the blind around. But you know what is even crazier? Is for the people who can see to follow a blind guide. To say, hey, hey, will you influence me? Hey, will you lead me? Will you be my guide? I can see and you're blind, but would you lead? Right? As soon as you can see, you automatically become the guide and not the follower. You automatically become the one that is supposed to lead. You're not supposed to be following the darkness. You're not supposed to be following those who are lost. You're not supposed to be following those who can't see. You are now in Christ Jesus able to see. And it kind of looks to me like, like when we allow the, the lost world and we are found in Christ to influence us and to lead us, that it is the blind leading the ones who can see. You got a blind guide leading us around. And, 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 and it's like maybe, you know, if you can see and the, and, the, and the blind guide is leading you and you're like, hey, hey, you know what? I know you're leading, but there's a pit right there. We're about to fall right into that thing. And the blind guy's like, oh, there's not a pit there. Come on. Let's just, let's go. There's not, there's nothing. There's not a trap. You, you know, there's a cliff. We're coming up on a cliff. No, it's not a cliff. Come on, let's go. We're just, we'll be fine. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. You just walk over the cliff with them. Just walk down into the pit with them. No, no, we can see in Christ Jesus the, the, the thing that separates us is that, is that our eyes are opened and we have light and we are no longer lost, right? Isn't that, isn't that what Jesus said in the parable? My son who was lost is now what? Found. He's not lost anymore. We, we now have light. Our eyes are open. That's what 2 Corinthians 4 says. It says that now God has given us, placed inside of us the light of Christ. Not only do we have his light shining, but we've been given a measure of it in ourselves. That's why Matthew 5 says that we are a city, that we are the light of the world. That we're the light shining in the darkness to, to, to help the blind find light and salvation. We're not being led by them. We are called to be a guide. We are called to lead. I wanted to remind you of what John 1 says. This is, this is all about Jesus. John chapter 1, this is what John says. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, this is speaking of Jesus and just putting him in connection with the word of God. In verse 2 he says, he was, he was with God 
in the beginning, right? And that, that, that kind of wants you to throw back to Genesis chapter 1. You remember Genesis chapter 1 where it says, In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And, and in Genesis chapter 1, what is the first word that God speaks? What is the first thing that God says? says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So one of the first things that happens when we come to the Word, which by the way is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and we trust the Word who is Jesus, who John then tells us is the life and light of mankind, what happens is the Word of God coming into us brings light, and there's light, and we can see and then he says this, and God saw that the light was good. It's, good. it's good to have light. It's good to see. How many of you, like your power was out for a while, and when it came back on, you were like, yeah, hallelujah, because you had light. Or maybe it was the internet. That's what it was. I forgot. You were rejoicing because of the internet yeah, and air conditioning. That's true, too. Yes. Light, internet, and air conditioning all of these are from God. <laughs> well, air conditioning is anyway. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Do you see what he did? He said, let there be light, and there was light, and then God said, there is a difference between light and darkness. There is a separation between light and darkness. There is not a union. There is not a connection. There is not a friendship. There is not a relationship. There is a distinction, a separation between light and darkness. And God called the light day and he called the darkness night. And who are we in Christ Jesus? Are we children of the night? Or are we children of the day? What does Paul say to us in Ephesians 5? Does he say, go ahead and sleep because you're children of the night? Or does he say, wake up. You're called to be children of the day. It's not time to sleep anymore. It's time to awaken. Awaken. And live with wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit and the light of Christ shining. We can see because we have the light of Jesus who is the Word of God. And that Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And on top of all of that, we have been given the Holy Spirit who is the counselor, the guide, who is not a blind guide, who is a seeing guide, who has been there and back and knows it like the back of his hand to guide us into all truth come on people of God let's not be led by the darkness let's be people of the light we are light we can see and because we can see this is why I'm saying to you 
You are called of God to be legendary. You are called of God to be a guide. Called of God to, to help those who are blind find salvation, find light, so that the Word of God can speak to them and say, let there be light. So that there is light. Back in John chapter 1, let me just read this for you just so so you remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We are people who can see. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus is light. He is the Word. We can see in Him. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Or, or another translation, both of these are accurate. The darkness has not uh, understood it or, or perceived it or uh, seen it uh, or overcome it. And so it's not, it's not going to overcome the light. And uh, those in darkness uh, are having trouble uh, seeing the light. There was a man sent from God uh, whose name was John, the legendary John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light uh, so that through him all might uh, believe. There's a call of God on our lives as well as John the Baptist to testify concerning the light uh, so that through our testimony all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to uh, the light. This is, why, this is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 that we don't preach ourselves because we are not the light. But we preach Christ and Him crucified because He is the light. And He takes His light and places it down inside of us so that we shine the light of Christ. That's why Matthew 5 is true. Imagine that. What Jesus said is true. You are the light of the world. He Himself was not the light. <clears throat> the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was not made through Him, uh, and though the world was made through Him, the world uh, did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Now, the world didn't recognize Him, now, the world didn't receive Him, but listen to this. Yet to all who did, to all who did receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. To those of us who have received Him, who have believed in His name, we have become children of God. Children not of the night, but children of the day. Children not of the darkness, but children of the light. Children not who are blind, but children who can see. Children born not of the natural, natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Born again of God. And does, and does God now give birth to darkness? Oh. The, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. We have seen his glory. This is why we can see. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace 
and truth. We have seen Jesus, and we have seen His glory, we have seen His grace, we have seen His truth, we have been changed and transformed by the Word, and we now are children of the light. We now are children who can see, and we now have a call of God on our lives to not be blind guides, but to be seeing guides. Not to be uh, not to be led by blind guides, but to be led and influenced by seeing guides, and to be uh, seeing guides with lights ourselves, uh, so that we, uh, like like Paul and John the Baptist, uh, can can proclaim uh, the gospel of Jesus' name and see lives changed and transformed by them also seeing the glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God who did come from the Father and is full of grace and truth. This is kind of like what happened to Paul. You remember that? He was, he was very blind. And, and yet he was guiding and influencing and coming against the church. And in Acts chapter 9, he comes to Damascus. He's on his way to Damascus to, to, to persecute the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and what happens on the road to Damascus? He sees Jesus. He sees the glory of the only begotten Son of God, and it blinds him so that he can see. It blinds him to his old way of thinking, to his old way of living, to the world's deception and its darkness, to the deception that he was walking in and moving in that he wholeheartedly believed in, and and it blinded him to all of that, but opened his eyes up to see Jesus for who Jesus truly is from the Father, the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth, alone worthy of glory and honor, and because he saw Jesus for who Jesus was, Paul then spent the rest of his life not trying to destroy the church, but building the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and making one legendary decision after the next. Now, what is so interesting about this and and so legendary about this, remember, Paul does this. He abandons persecuting the church from this day forward, after meeting Jesus, he spends, he says yes to the legendary call of God on his life. And, and this, is, this is fascinating because he, he probably should have said no. But he says yes to it. He says yes to the call of God on his life and spends his life building the church. And this is why he probably should have said no, according to our Christian standards today. He probably should have said no. This is why we find it in Acts chapter 9, verse 16. Remember, Ananias comes to his house, and, and, but he doesn't want to. But God says to do it, and, Ananias, and God tells him why. And, uh, and this, is, this is what it says. This is part of what it says. He says, he says, I want you to go pray for this man. He's my chosen instrument to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. I believe you are chosen of God to proclaim the gospel as Paul was chosen of God. You say, wait a minute, me? I'm chosen of God? Yeah, yeah, but you might not want to be. Just hold on. But you are. A legendary call of God on your life. And this is what, this is what the Lord speaks to Ananias about Paul. He says in verse 16, he says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. What? You're calling him to suffer. 
and then you're going to tell him about it? Then you're going to show it to him? You're going to show him how much he must suffer for my name? You mean that the call of God on his life to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name, to be a seeing guide, to shine the light of Christ, you mean that's going to mean that he's going to have to suffer? Yeah. He's going to have to suffer. And, and, and I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer for my name. And even though the Holy Spirit shows the legendary Apostle Paul how much he's going to suffer, and, and you know, thousands of years later we have the whole story, so we know how much he suffered. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was, he was whipped with the... Uh, with the cat of nine tails, 40 lashes, three times. He was beaten with rods five times. He was stoned and left for dead. He was bitten by a snake. He says, I was in danger in the country, in danger in the city, in danger at home, in danger in the, in the mountains, in danger in the fields. He says, I was facing danger everywhere that I went. Right? He was shipwrecked and shipwrecked and shipwrecked and shipwrecked again. There's actually like a funny verse in, in Acts chapter 20 where, where he sends everybody else out on a ship and he goes by land. <laughs> like maybe he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to walk this one. It looks close enough to walk. I think I'm just going to walk it. And he, and, he, and he walks it. He sees. And, and, and it's not like he's surprised by all of this, right? Jesus shows him how much he's going to suffer and he still says yes. He says, I know, I'm, I'm, I know, I know it's going to be bad. I know I'm going to suffer. I know it's not going to be safe. I know it's going to be dangerous. I know it's not going to be easy. I know it's going to be hard. I know I'm not going to get, 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 that I'm going to have to give, 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 but I'm in. I'm going to do it. I'm going to shine the light of Christ. I'm going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name, even though it means I'm going to have to suffer because Jesus is worth it. And people are worth it. Because Jesus is to be glorified and, and he changes People's lives. Because right, they're blind. And they're being led around by the blind. And there's pits that they fall in that destroy their lives. Unless somebody who can see, who's been called of God and anointed, comes and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. Where are you going? Right, like I don't want to, I'm like such a people pleaser. You got to believe me, I am. And I don't ever want to upset anybody, right? But so, so it bothers me when I offend somebody. But if the gospel offends and changes their life and saves them from the cliff or the pit or sudden destruction, then shouldn't we offend? I don't want to offend, but I want to save. I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but if the truth hurts and it changes their lives and brings them to the, to, the sal- to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, then shouldn't we proclaim it? We come full of grace and truth. Truth and grace. I want to proclaim the grace of Jesus, but I also must proclaim the truth. You say, man, that hurts my feelings. That offends me. That upsets me that you would say that. But, but here's the thing. I don't want to brag. I'm not bragging. It's not because of me, but I can see. And you can't. Okay, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you're blind. And there's a cliff. And I'm just trying to keep you from going off of it. And for the Christians out there who can see, I don't want to hurt your feelings either, but, but man, you, you can't follow around blind guides and wander aimlessly off a cliff with them. 
Your eyes are opened. The light of Christ has come to you. You have the word of God that is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. What would I follow? What is politically correct? Or what is biblically correct? What is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? The Bible or the, or the political environment of the culture? It is the word of God that is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I stumbled into this crazy article the other day and I read it just because I'm not influenced by these things. And I, and I read it because I'm a preacher and it helps me. But it was talking about how the Bible's not relevant anymore because it's an ancient book and doesn't speak to modern times. How could it? How could it? I mean, no offense to the Bible, but it's ancient. Thousands of years old. How could it speak to modern times? And, and, and in the article, they like reference stuff and they, they didn't even get it right. I'm like, man, if you're going to reference stuff from the Bible about the Bible, at least get it, at least get it right. At least get it uh, correct. And I asked, a, I asked a, a young man, I think he's 20, 19, 20, because young people are influenced by this, by this kind of stuff. Like if they read an article on the internet, oh, oh the Bible's not relevant because it's ancient. And these are modern times. And so the Bible, how could the Bible speak to it? It's true. It's on the internet. It's on TV. I saw it on TV. It's on the internet. I'm not trying to offend. Um, unless you need offended. And then let's offend. Right? You can't trust everything on the internet. Hopefully we understand this. So I asked him about it. I said, I said hey, is the, you know the Bible's really old. I said, it's ancient, man. I said, is it still relevant? Is it still a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path? Or, or has its light gone out and it can't lead us anymore? And he said, he looking at me like, who are you? And he said, man, it is, it is more relevant today than it ever, ever has been. We need the light more as the darkness gets thicker than we've ever needed it before. The Word of God still is a lamp unto our feet, and a light unto our path. And, and, and it was written, by the way, by the one who is, who was, and who is to come. So it was relevant now, it was relevant then, and it will be relevant in the future. It was a lamp, it is a lamp now, it was a lamp, and it will shine the light every day of my life. If you will allow the Word of God to lead you, you are going to see and not stumble and fall into the traps of the enemy. How many preachers have stood up and preached Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus is tempted by the enemy? They say, what did Jesus do when he was tempted by the enemy? What did he do? He hit him with the word. 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 And then the devil ran after having been hit with the word, hit with the word, hit with the word, hit with the word, hit with the word. Jude showed me a new boxing move the other day. I think I just did it. And the, Oh, no, no, it was a, he said, you jab, you jab, and then you get this one like you're going to come, and then you jab him again, like that. That's what he said, and I was, I was, I was practicing that, you know, because he's getting, he's getting bigger, you know, so I got to be able to make sure that I can hang with him. Anyway, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Paul sees here how much he is going to suffer for the name of Christ, and he still suffers. He still does it. He still says yes. See, there's a legendary call of God on our lives, Christians, people of God. 
And, and I just want you to know, uh, because th- it's not a popular idea uh, in our culture, and many Christians don't want to hear this, I just want you to know that it's not safe. It's dangerous. I don't know how else, I don't know how else to say that. There's a call of God on your life. You say, well, pastor, what in the world? Why would we do it? Right? Because, again, because of Jesus. Because he's worth it. Because of his glory and his honor. And because people are wandering around blind. And there's a giant, red, ferocious dragon that wants to devour their lives. And we are the light of the world. And to shine it's not safe. It's dangerous. I'm not going to promise you that it's going to be safe. I'm telling you, you'll suffer. It's dangerous. I know in this culture, we don't, right now, like we don't want to do anything dangerous, right? Everything's got to be safe. The call of God on our lives is not safe. It's a dangerous one. You think about Mike and Tammy McRae, okay? They were living in the United States of America, working a good job, pastoring a church, doing the work of the ministry, and God called them to leave all of that and move to Africa and drill wells and plant churches and shine the light of Christ there. And he said, it's going to be safe. You're going to be fine. Not going to be any trouble. Not going to be any danger. It's going to be okay. No, there's not that promise. Actually, the promise is it's not going to be safe. It's going to be dangerous. We were out to eat with them Sunday and they are telling us stories about some of the dangerous things that have happened that are not safe. The call of God on Paul's life was not a safe one. It was a dangerous one. He said, I was in danger everywhere that I went. He said, well, you know, what if I get shipwrecked and I'm on an island and a snake bites me? Could happen. It could happen. You know, I don't know if it would happen, but it could. But it had happened to Paul. And he shook that thing off and kept right on going. Okay, the call of God on your life to be legendary is not safe, it's dangerous. All right, now, I know this isn't popular either, right? This is not popular with, with our easy culture, but it's not easy, it's hard. It's not easy, it's hard. Right? Isn't that kind of what Joy was saying when she's talking about getting up early? That's the call of God on our life, right? What's easy? Sleeping in, I've never been like, oh my gosh, tomorrow, I have the day off so hard, I've got to sleep in. just can't believe this is, so, this is so much suffering, it's such a challenge, it's such a struggle, it's so hard to sleep. It's not, right? We're like, I have the day off, yeah, I get to sleep in. Just call God on our life, it's not easy, it's hard. God, uh, God shows Paul all of this. He shows them all. He says, man, this is, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be hard. Everywhere he goes, he is opposed. Everywhere that he goes, there is persecution. And on top of that, Paul, Paul said, I'm going to have to work to provide for myself. So that not only was he laboring to proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name, but he was laboring building tents so that he would have something to, to eat and something to share with others. It was not, it's not easy. It's hard work. It's hard work. We're, we're the people of God, and we're called. I know everybody's like going to leave the church now. Like People watching online are like, I don't want to be a Christian. Throwing up my hands. He said it's not, it's not safe, and it's not easy, but it's not. It's dangerous, and it's hard, but anything worth doing is. And when you get your eyes on Jesus, 
and you see the only holy, worthy Lamb of God, you recognize that anything you've got to lay down or give up is worth it for Him. It's not easy, it's hard. Legendary call of God on our lives. I, I think we need to hear this. Why, why, are, why are people not coming to church? I mean, just, just that little thing, like attending church. Why? Because it's a little bit hard. There's a call of God on our life for at least a little bit hard. A little bit hard. Right? Why, why don't we want to get up and pray in the morning? Because it's a little bit hard. But there is a legendary call of God on our lives that, that requires a little bit of hard. We are the light of the world. To shine requires some effort and some energy and some work. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a safe call of God. It's a dangerous one. It's not an easy call. It's a, it's a hard one. And then it's not a call of God on Paul's life. It's, 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 not, a, it's not a receive, get, call. It's not for me, for me, for me. It's a give, give, give call of God on our lives. Paul says all of these things in Acts chapter 20 and in, and in 21. And he makes, he makes at two different times incredible statements that I wanted to, I wanted to show you, point out to you. It's, it's, just, it's just unbelievable. It's amazing. It's got to get in our hearts and come out of our mouths, I think. If we're going to say yes to the legendary call of God on our lives that is dangerous and hard and giving. Nobody wants to be called a God now, right? You're like, whew, I'm glad I'm not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You may not be called to stand here and do this or to pastor a church, but you are called of God to be a light shining in the darkness. And I'm telling you, it's dangerous and it's hard and it's giving, but it is worth it. Paul, as he is, as he is in his journeys and following out the will of God for his life, he, he feels the Holy Spirit leading him back to Jerusalem. And he has this desire to make his way to Rome and to proclaim the gospel there in Rome. So as he is he's journeying now here in Acts towards Jerusalem, trying to get back to Jerusalem. And what he does is he, he calls together this gathering of, uh, of church leaders from Ephesus, of elders from Ephesus, and he, and he talks to them, uh, you know, kind of this church conference, giving them some instructions and, and advice, talking to them about uh, the ministry, because because he's off to Jerusalem and he believes he's not going to see them again. So we pick this up in Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 17. Uh, I, I left out, Acts chapter 20 also has the story uh, in it where, where Paul preaches all night. And it, and it says that he goes on and on. And the guy falls asleep and falls out of the window and dies. And then he's got to go down and heal him. Uh, kind of an amazing story, isn't it? But I, I always get a kick out of the part where, where, where Luke, you know, who wrote Acts, says... That he was preaching all night and he went on and on. <laughs> I know sometimes you all have that thought about me. Uh, but Paul did this as well, but I'll try to do better. Mm. Verse 17, from, from Miletus, 
Uh, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, and he speaks to them, it's so powerful. He said, you know how I have lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. Paul's, Paul's very, it's very interesting. He would, he would often point people to himself. Look at, look at me, look at the way that I'm living because he recognized that he can see that he's a light, that he's a guide, and that people need to follow him. He said, listen, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing. Because he, he was told he's going to suffer and he's going through it. In the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents, uh, which, which was probably even more uh, challenging because these were his people who were opposing him. He says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Like this is one of the things, uh, I don't know that it'll be said about me, but if there's ever anything said about me when it's all said and done, I would like for it to be said that I have not hesitated to preach anything that I believe the Holy Spirit would lead and that was found in the Word of God and that would be helpful you know, to, uh, to those who would hear. Paul says, I have, I, have, I have proclaimed the Word of the Lord. I haven't hesitated, even though I've been severe severely tested and, and opposed. He says, I, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord uh, Jesus. He is proclaiming turning to God uh, in repentance. Uh, this is, you know, the grace of God and, and have faith in our Lord Jesus, the truth, grace and truth. Paul's preaching uh, grace uh, and uh, truth. You know, it's not just put your faith in Jesus and continue to wander around in the darkness blind. It's put your faith in Jesus and change. And now, compelled by the Spirit, it's so interesting, he's saying here, now I'm being, I'm being moved, influenced, led by the Spirit, I'm going to uh, Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He says, I know this, he's not clear about everything, he's not certain about everything, he says, I know this, that the Holy Spirit is leading me to Jerusalem, that's what I know. Got great, great clarity there, I understand this, but I don't know what's going to happen there. It's like God saying, go. And Paul saying, well, you know, I've kind of been through a lot. I'd kind of not to go through anymore. You know, am I going to be beat? Am I going to be imprisoned? Am I going to be whipped? You know, could we avoid all that? No, he's saying the Holy Spirit is telling me go, but that's all he's given me. He's not telling me anything else about it, but he's gonna. I only, I only Know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Okay, so why go? <laughs> I, see, I know the Holy Spirit's leading me to Jerusalem, but he's not telling me exactly what's going to happen yet. But I'll tell you this, every city that I go into, the Holy Spirit warns me that what's facing me there is prison and hardships. I'm not going... <laughs> Are you? And God says, go. But there's going to be prison. There's going to be hardships. I'm like, God, God, whoa, wait a minute. Can you choose somebody else? Can you pick somebody else? You mean there's going to be prison? There's going to be trouble? There's going to be difficulty? But what does Paul, but Paul kept going. He kept going, even though the Holy Spirit warned him. He says, however, listen to this. This is, this is unbelievable. This is such a powerful statement. Don't miss this. We, the church, need to hear this. 
He says, however, it's legendary. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. What? Doesn't this sound like Jesus? Who said, hey, if you're going to follow me, this is Jesus now, Matthew 16, go read it. He says, hey, if you're going to follow me, it's not going to be easy. If you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. I'm, gonna, I'm, going to the, I'm going to the cross. You're going to have to do the same thing. You're going to have to lay down your life for me. He said, but if you, if you lose your life, you'll find it. He, Paul says, however, I'm doing this because I don't consider my life worth anything. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Hallelujah. Did that miss anybody? He says, it, he says it's not one of my goals. He said, it's my only aim. He says, you know what? Safety's not my goal. This Testifying to the goodness of God, to the good news of God's grace is my goal. Easy is not my aim. I'm not looking for easy. He said, I'm looking to testify to the gospel of Jesus' name. Get, getting for myself possessions. You know, he's not, he doesn't say, you know what, you know what I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. That's my aim. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Isn't that it in our culture? Like, like it's get and stay young. Isn't that kind of the thing? That's going on right now? What can I get for myself, and how can I keep from getting old? That's kind of what's going on. You know, how, can, how can I get for me? How can I not get old? Paul says, none of that right there. He says, he says my desire here is the gospel of Jesus' name. Isn't that amazing? He says, now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. This is, you know, why he's being so passionate. He doesn't believe they'll see him again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. It's like there's a, so as a preacher, one of the things that I'm called to do, I believe, and you can question it if you would like to, but I believe one of the things I'm called to do as an, as a, as an under-shepherd of the shepherd is to watch over the flock. And, and, and part of watching over the flock is when false prophets, savage wolves, come in to influence the body of Christ. One of the things I've got to do is stand against it. Proclaim the truth. Say, say no, you will not devour the sheep. And if I do that and it is offensive to the sheep, so be it. You know what would be offensive to the sheep? is being torn apart by a savage wolf. Verse 31. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Man, Paul is a preacher, isn't he? 
goodness. He says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. Right? It's not about getting, it's about giving. He said, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. You see, it's a dangerous call. It is a hard-working call. It is a giving call. Paul says, I have worked and worked not only to care for myself, but to make sure that Luke and Timothy had some as well. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. And we're not afraid of hard work in the United States of America. And that's what we're hard working people, right? So why should we be opposed to this or offended by this? What's, what's more worthwhile than working for the cause of Christ? Hard work, we must help uh, the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, uh, the Lord Jesus himself said, you know this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's a call of God on our life. It's not a, it's not a get, get, get. It's a give, give, give. And then we understand that it's more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down uh, with all of them and uh, they prayed. And then they got together after they prayed and they wept because Paul said to them that they weren't going to see him again. And then uh, they, they left and they start, and they start uh, making their way uh, to uh, Jerusalem. And in chapter 1, as they're uh, making their way uh, to Jerusalem, they come to uh, Syria and uh, when they get there, they find some of the disciples there, and they, and they stay with them, uh, chapter 21, uh, verse, verse 4. And listen, listen to what goes on now. He, verse 4, he says, we sought out the disciples there and stayed with them uh, seven days. You know, you know some of the uh, people in the we, uh, here's Luke. Uh, who's writing the book of Acts, and Timothy uh, is here uh, in this group uh, with Paul, and they, they sought out uh, the disciples and they stayed with them seven days. Uh, through the Spirit, uh, they urged Paul not to go on to uh, Jerusalem. So now the Holy Spirit is moving upon these disciples that they are staying with and urging Paul not to go to Jerusalem, right? Because, uh, because, because they're recognizing that there is trouble, prison, hardship, difficulty that he is going to face in Jerusalem. And though, remember, though Paul doesn't know everything that he's going to go through, he does know that the Holy Spirit is leading him and compelling him to go to Jerusalem, even though it's not safe. Verse 5. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. <laughs> what? What? Didn't they just tell him through the Spirit to not go? And he says, when it was time to leave, we, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out to the city, and there on the beach we knelt and prayed. Just side note, you see them praying everywhere they're going? After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and <laughs> that's funny too, he's getting on a ship, and they returned home. We got on the ship, they returned home. Verse 7, or what did I say next? 10, there you go. Uh, skip a few verses there, time's sake. Uh, after we had been uh, there a number of days, they're, so, they're, so they're, they've met with Philip, remember one of the seven, they're staying at his house. After they've been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus uh, came down uh, from Judea. 
uh, coming over to us. Now, he's a prophet, and, and they know that he is. Uh, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Prophesying to Paul, this is what's going to take place when you go to Jerusalem. When we heard this, we, again, you know, Luke, Timothy, others, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. How much influence would that have on you if, like Luke and Timothy and the prophet Agabus are pleading with you to not go do something? But Paul knows that God has called him to go, that God is leading him to go. What if like really good people who, who are believers are trying to influence you in a direction that you know is not according to what God has for you? Pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I wonder if any of, I wonder if any of this happened to Mike and Tammy when they began to share with people that they were going to go to Africa. I actually, I actually had that thought. Like, why are they doing that? I want to tell them to not go. It like ran through my head. The Holy Spirit got rid of it. Mm. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? Listen to this. Listen to this. Heaven help us. Lord, let this be my declaration. Let it be what's in my heart. Let it be what I always say. Listen to the legendary Apostle Paul. Listen to what he says. He says, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Hey, yeah. Hallelujah. Heaven help us. That's the call of God on our lives. It's not safe. It's not easy. It's not getting. But it is worthy. Jesus is worthy. And others are worth it. To say this, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is my God and my King, and I will give up and lay down and go through and face whatever I have to for His name, for His glory, for His honor, for His fame, for His cause, for Him to be proclaimed and exalted and high and lifted up. Paul says, I already know I'm going to face it. I already know I'm going to go through it, but I know I've got to do it for the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then look what it goes on to say. When he would not be dissuaded. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why are we so easily pushed around? Why are we so easily blown and tossed by every wind? Why are we so easily dissuaded? Why are we so easily influenced? Why will we back up from what Paul just said? There's got to be something down inside of us that says, look, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to face prison. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to suffer no matter what for the name of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I'll not step off of that stand. I'll not back up from it. I will not be shifted or moved or changed. They couldn't change his mind. So they gave up <laughs> and said, the Lord's will be done. I love verse 15. It says this, 
after this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. After all that, Paul's off to Jerusalem. He said, what are you doing? He says, it's not about me. It's not about glory. It's not about my fame. It's not about my safety. It's not about my getting. It's about the cause of Christ. It's about His name being exalted, His name being proclaimed. It's about Him being glorified and others' lives being changed and transformed. There is a legendary call of God on your life. And it is to proclaim the legendary life changing, only holy, worthy Lamb of God. It is to exalt Jesus and shine the light of Christ. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's safe, it's not, it's dangerous. I'm not going to tell you that it's, that it's easy, it's not, it's hard. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to get all kinds of worldly things. You're not. But it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And by the way, someday you're going to get. If you proclaim as Paul proclaimed, I'm ready to die. For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. You're going to get, you're going to get a, a crown of righteousness. You're going to get a white robe. You're going to get an eternal body. You're going to have an earthly, heavenly, together home with God Almighty. It's going to be good. You're going to receive Right now, give, and someday you will receive. The legendary Apostle Paul, what sets him apart from so many, and the call of God that is on our lives like it was on his, was his honesty when it came to declaring that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm going to go because I am ready right now to lay down everything for the cause of Jesus' name, to proclaim Him, to shine His light. We are the light of the world. Let's be the light of the world, even though it's not safe, even though it's not easy, even though it's not full worldly gain. Let's shine the light of Christ because He is worth it and others are worth it. Let's pray together. Lord, I'd, I know this is not a popular idea, not a popular message. Nobody wants to hear how dangerous it is to live for Jesus or hard it may be or sacrificial. But Lord, even though it is dangerous, we are not afraid because you are with us. And even though it is hard, this doesn't bother us because we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for the name of Christ. Even though we're going to have to lay down and give up, Lord, that doesn't bother us because really it's better to give anyway than it is to receive. And we know that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider, 
that you own a cattle on a thousand hills, that you will meet and care for my every need as you did Paul. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you today. We ask that you would help us to be a stirred up people, passionate about you, and excited about proclaiming your name and shining the light of Christ. Lord, that we would live legendary, that we would live not for our well-being, but for your glory and honor, and for the name, the only name, that saves and changes lives. We pray for your guidance. We pray for your Holy Spirit power. We pray for your wisdom. We pray for your strength. We pray that you'd give us passion to live for you and in this dark world to shine the light of Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you this morning, all of you who are online, if you just want to respond to the call of God on your life to be a child of the King and to live legendary and to open your heart and make Jesus your Lord and Savior, would you just pray with me? Just repeat after me. Let's pray together and give our lives to Christ. Lord Jesus, I see you right now like I never have before. I see that you are faithful and true, gracious and compassionate. And I declare that you are my Savior and my Lord. And all of my hope and trust is in you. And Jesus, I ask you to help me live legendary to live for your glory and for your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, praise the Lord. Uh, thank you uh, for shining your light. Continue to do so. Thank you for saying yes to the legendary call of God on your life. Continue to do so. And remember, that city that is set on a hill that is a light unto the world, its light cannot be hid. We will shine and the darkness will not overcome. God bless you. Have a great week. Tune in on Wednesday night. See ya.